Amen. That song always just ministers to me because of my life and, and where I came from. Not being raised in church, not, not knowing God until I was uh, five days short of being 30 years old. You know, and, and uh, people think that just because you're in the United States that you've heard the gospel. But at that time, I had not heard the gospel. I had went to a church that preached a lot of stuff, but uh, they didn't tell me about Jesus. And so when I heard about Jesus, it was like, wow, wow. You know, nobody's ever told me. And so when I hear that song, it always reminds me is, you don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. And so this morning, though, we're, even though that the verses we're going to read are about um, the anointing of Jesus for his burial, but we're going to look at it from a different angle. We're going to look at it from the woman who did the anointing angle. So if we can turn to Luke 7, and we're going to look at verses 36 through 39. You know, some people say it was Mary Magdalene. Some say it was other people. Uh, but really, it doesn't matter who the woman was. It was the fact that she obeyed God and came and anointed Jesus for his, for his burial, that she walked in obedience to God. And, and I think it's, there's a key word in this that, that blesses me. But uh, starting in verse 36, and I'm reading from the New Living, it says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. And you know, it's amazing that God used what the rest of them said was a sinner woman to anoint Jesus. You know, and so when we look at her story, this woman's story is a story of love. It's a story of brokenness, but it's also a story of giving everything that you have. Everything that this woman had, she was bringing to give to Jesus. But in order to do that, she had to face her hometown folks. And you know what? It ain't always easy to face your hometown folks when you've been known as an immoral woman and you got to go face your hometown people. She had to go through them talking about her. When, you know when the door opened and she came in, somebody said something. And you know people anymore, they don't whisper. They'll talk loud enough so you know what they think about you. You know? So when she came in, she had people whispering about her. She had people talking about Oh, I know her. I see her down there on that corner the other night. You know, and, and what's so amazing to me, I think probably some of the men that was in the room, they knew her too. You know, but they were pointing at that time their finger at her. 
They was whispering about her, talking about her, probably some turned their backs on her when she walked past. But that woman, you know, she did not allow that to deter her. Even though those people in there knew her past, they knew her present, and thought they knew her future. But she did not allow that to stop her from getting to Jesus because she had heard that there was a man in that house that was not only healing sickness, but he was forgiving sin. And she had made up in her mind, I'm getting there because I know I need to be forgiven. I know there's things in my life that I have got to call on the name of Jesus for. You know, when I was, uh, I grew up in Ohio, uh, I had a girlfriend who, uh, we'd been friends since second grade. And we were friends second, all through elementary, junior high, high school. We, we stayed friends. And then after we graduated high school, we were still, still best friends. And um, then I got married, she got married. And then I got divorced, she got divorced. <laughs> And we, ha- we hung out. We hung tough. And we did a lot of stuff we didn't have no business doing. And, but uh, she had a little bit more restraint than I did. Yeah, I was kind of out there. At Maurice tell me, you was out there. <laughs> I was out there uh, trying a whole lot of stuff I didn't have no business trying. But uh, then, when, as I said, somebody told me about Jesus. And I got, I have a, to me, it's a remarkable testimony of how I got saved. Because Jesus appeared in my house as a sinner woman. And I got saved. But anyway, that's another long story. But uh, when I got saved, I went back to Ohio to tell, tell my girlfriend, man, you won't believe what happened to me. I got saved. And I was so excited to tell her about Jesus. So I sat and I did, you know how you, when you first get saved, you're excited. And you think everybody's going to be excited with you. And she wasn't excited with me. And, but anyway, I just was telling her about Jesus. She let me do my whole thing. And, I, and then I got through and I said, now, do you want to get saved? And I thought for sure she was going to say, yeah. She looked at me and she said, well, I'm glad for you, but I wasn't as wild as you. I don't need all that. And I looked at her and I said, what you mean? You know, I know what you did too. But, <laughs> but she was like, no, you were more wild than I was. You need that. I don't need that. I'm not a bad person. And try as I might, I could not get her to see her need for Jesus because she had self-righteousness. And she would not acknowledge herself as a sinner. And I, I was so hurt, you know, because I thought my best friend, surely, she'll get saved. And to this day, she's not saved. And that's been 32, almost 33 years ago. Still has not acknowledged her need for Jesus. But this woman, she acknowledged her need. She knew, hey, I am willing to face the whispers. I am willing to face folks talking about me. I am willing to face anything 
because I know I need to be forgiven. And the reason she didn't stop is because love was drawing her. In the Romans 8, uh, Romans 2, 4 says it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. And that goodness was drawing her. And she was like, I don't care who's standing in my way, you better get out the way. Because the goodness of God is drawing me and I'm going to get to Jesus. And I am going to accept him whether y'all like it or not, you know, because what had happened is, even though from the outside, nobody could see it, there had been a change on the inside. Something had happened to her on the inside. And so the four things I want to look at this morning is, what had happened to her on the inside? The first thing was that she, that woman came with her most treasured possession. She bought that little alabaster box. And I, I looked it up. And what was in that box cost approximately $51. You know, back then, $51 probably was like thousands of dollars. So she took all she had, everything she held dear, and brought it to Jesus. Because she had already fallen in love with Jesus. Even though the words weren't spoken, she was already in love with him. I, I remember from uh, Maurice and I first were getting married, or talking about getting married, and uh, I, I, I'm a real straightforward person. I mean, if you don't want to know the truth, don't ask me, because I will tell you. Uh, uh, I'm very straightforward. Sometimes I need to practice tact. <laughs> I'll be honest with that. I need to practice tact a little bit, but I will tell you the truth, because I don't like... I. I and, you know, and I'm also like for you to tell me the truth. Sometimes people who tell the truth don't like to be told the truth. But I like for you to tell me straight up. Don't beat around the bush. And, and, if, and I, I also like when you leave me, you know what I was talking about because I, I don't use no little colorful words. You know, I don't tell you if you ain't seeing, you sick. No, you ain't seeing, you seeing, you ain't sick. You ain't seeing. You know, you didn't make no mistake. You didn't stub your toe. You ain't sin. And so if you don't want me to tell you that, then don't ask me. But uh, Maurice and I were talking, and so I told him, I said, well, um, first I had prayed, and I had said, uh, Lord, now you know I'm getting ready to get married, so I need you to let me know right away, right now, before I make this step, if that man going to be wishy-washy, because I don't want no wishy-washy man, you know. <laughs> I don't want him to say today and next week he ain't walking with God. So let me know now if he ain't if he gonna be like that, so I can I can stop this now because I don't want to deal with that. So when I saw him, I told him I said I want to tell you something, Maurice. I said uh, I serve God. I said in fact I love Him. I said so if you decide you don't want to serve Him no more, you on your own, brother, because I ain't on that boat. I said, so I'm just letting you know up front that if you decide to backslide, you're backsliding by yourself. I'm not going with you. But the good part was he looked at me and said, well, I feel the same way. <laughs> so I said, well, good. We're on the same page because I know what God has done for me. I know what he's done in my life. I've given him everything that I can give him. 
I've held nothing back from him. So I, if we go on this way together, we got to go together. Because I, I, can't, I can't deal with up and down, up and down. And so I, I look at this, this woman that in Luke uh, 7, 47, Jesus said that she had been forgiven much. So she loved much. Have you been forgiven much? Do you love much? Do you love him a lot? You know, sometimes we can fall in love, and I'll just talk to the lady since it's Mother's Day. We can fall in love with a man, and we'll love him more than we love Jesus. You know, we'll forget that, hey, you know, and that was another thing that Maurice and I settled before we, when we got married. It's like, I'm going to let you, you know, Jesus is first. You come second. Jesus is first. Because you know whether your husband loves you a whole lot, you know what? He will fail you sometimes. He will say stuff to you that will break your heart sometimes. He will do things to you sometimes that will break your heart. But Jesus never does that. He loves us consistently. And you know what's so good about him? That he doesn't love us more today than he'll love us tomorrow. You know that sometimes you kind of wrap your mind around, what do you mean he won't love me no more today than he'll love me tomorrow? His love is like this. It doesn't go up and go down, go up and go It just stays consistent. He just loves us. And that's how I see this woman. She recognized, man, Jesus, Jesus loves me. He loves me. The second thing she did is she broke her box. You know, the, the breaking of her box represented breaking of her life, that her life was broken because of how she had lived all those years. You know, in Psalms 51, 17, it says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. A broken, a broken spirit is to break it into pieces or to reduce the splinters. A broken and contrite heart means to crumble, to bruise, to crush, and to humble. Can you imagine how, what a humbling effect that had on that woman that had to go through all her hometown people and know what they were saying about her and still she went on past because she was getting to Jesus you know, sometimes life can just crush us. I mean, we are just broken because of life. And that really what happens with life when we say life crushes us, it's really because of choices we make. We can make some dumb choices. I don't know, but I should say I can make some dumb choices. Things that after we get, get past and think about it, we look back and we're going through a really hard time, and we think, wow, why am I going through this? And Because this is crushing me, Lord. And then if you would admit it, you'd say, well, I'm going through this because the choice I made, what I did. Not, not, what, what it, not what the devil did. Don't give the devil. I, you know, sometimes we always want to give the devil credit. A lot of times the devil ain't did nothing. It's us. We have made dumb choices. 
done dumb things, and then life starts pressuring us, and we feel like I am being crushed here. But you know what? You can always go to God. You know, when always run to him and not from him. You, know, you want to sometimes put up a, a, a one-way sign in front of him, and that one-way sign is pointing to him, not running the other way. You know, acknowledge where you've been and what you've done, and then turn around and run back to him. Because he's always there waiting for you. Always there waiting for you. You know, uh, God promises mercy and grace to anybody who'll call on it. And that is a wonderful thought. That, Lord, I can never get so far out there that your mercy and grace can't reach me. That I can never do so much that the mercy and grace of God is not sufficient. You know, and, and if we will admit that, I think so, what so happens so many times is we become prideful and don't want to admit our mistakes and don't want to admit it was us and not somebody else. You know, I, I laugh. I, I used to teach a, a lot to single women, and I used to always tell them, I said, now, you can't tell me. Now, I warned y'all. I told you I was straight up. Um, I, I said, you can't tell me that you was just walking by the bedroom door and, oh, my gosh, my clothes fell off and I got in this bed. How did I get here? You know how you got there. You know how you got there. But so many times, we don't want to take a responsibility for ourselves, And that's a society that we live in. It's always somebody else's fault. You know, it's so-and-so hadn't did this. I wouldn't have did this. If they hadn't did this, this wouldn't have happened. But it's us. So many times we make mistakes, and if we would own up to it and go to God and be broken about it, not just this, oh, God, forgive me. No, it's, it's a, there's a breaking in us that when we do things that we know hurt the heart of God, there should be a breaking in us for, for sorrow that we have walked outside of the word of God, that we have done something that hurts the heart of God. Because Psalms 147.3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That if we will admit what we've done and come to him, he's always there to heal the brokenhearted and to bind up our wounds. Number three is she poured on the oil. What she was doing as she poured on that oil as she was anointing him, her king and her priest, to pour a uh, fragrant or costly perfume or oil on, on someone means that you're using that as a, to coronate them as a king. So really she was announcing, this is my king. And she poured that oil on Jesus. She was telling everybody in that room, this is my king. I'm no longer ruler of my own life. This is my king. How about you? Is he the ruler of your life? Is he your king? 
Are you still ruling your own life? Are you still being in charge? Not only was she anointing him her king, she was installing him as her priest because he anointed the priest. She was telling him, you're not only my king, you're my priest. You're the one I'm going to come to. You're the one I'm going to depend on. You're the one I'm looking to. There is nobody else but you. How about you? Are you depending on your job? Are you depending on your friends? Are you depending on anything else other than Jesus? Number, number, she was letting him know that my old life is being poured out and there's been a change on the inside. And then the fourth thing she had did, she kissed his feet. You know, in the Western world, we think, kiss your feet. Hmm. No, nobody kissing your feet. But in the Eastern world, that was common. But the kissing of the feet showed an act of reverence and affection. It was practiced when you were making a, an important request. So if I wanted a request to be made, I would kiss his feet. Her request was, I need forgiveness. So she kissed his feet. Because that was an important and a very important request. To kiss his feet. It was also a, a, a token of someone who had been conquered to show that they were in subjection and obedience to that person that they were kissing their feet. So she was letting Jesus know, you know what? I'm under your control now. You are my ruler. You are the one in charge. So what she was letting that whole room know, because you know when she was doing that, the whole room was watching. Because everybody was looking to see, well, what's she doing? And what's she doing? And why is she doing that? And like the Pharisees, why he letting that touch her, touch him? And why he letting that kiss his feet? And why she, why she in here anyway? We all say folks in here. What's she doing in here? But she was like, you know what? I'm letting y'all know now I'm the one in here say. Because I'm pouring the oil and I'm kissing his feet. I'm anointing him my king. I'm anointing him my priest. And I'm letting everybody in this room know who Jesus is. You know, and then the, the last thing I want to say to you guys is, you guys, oh, that was Massachusetts coming out right there. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, have we come today like the woman with the alabaster box? When we come to church, do we just come to church? You know, if you come with no expectancy, then you know what you're going to leave with? Nothing. If you don't expect nothing, that's what you'll get. Nothing. That when, when the praise and worship is up here worshiping, and their job is to lead us into the throne room of God, but if you ain't willing to go, they can't get you there. You have got to participate in order to pour your oil. If you're not participating, your oil stays in your little box. 
And then you go home and it's like, well, you know, service wasn't that good today. No, you just was not participating. You know, it, it wasn't that the message wasn't good, because the word is always good. It wasn't that the songs weren't good, because all the songs are word songs, so the songs were good. Maybe it was you. You know, maybe you, you didn't come ready to participate. When, when we think about what Jesus did for us, we ought to be happy to praise him. When we think about all that he gave, he gave his very life. There should not be a thing where we got to Holly or, or anybody has to get up here and pump you up. We ought to be pumped up when we get here. Because if we would spend time in the Word through the week, on Sunday morning we'd be happy and ready. Amen. But you know, we, uh, it's like they say, you cannot live off a, uh, one cold snack a week. I mean, we might look better because we'd be a little thinner, but uh, other than that, you will starve to death if all you eat is Sunday morning. But if you would practice pouring your oil on him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, when Sunday came, your oil is running over. So we have got to learn to fall in love with him. And what's so good about Jesus Men can fall in love with it. Yeah, no, he's not, it's not a thing where, oh, that's for women. No, men can fall in love with Jesus. They can have a love affair with Jesus just like a woman can. They can have fellowship with Jesus just like women can. It's not a, a, a gender thing. And what would help if we practice it at home, then it'll show our children. This is how you love it. This is how you walk before it. This is what you give to it. So I ask you, have you been forgiven much? Do you love much? When we come to church, do we hold back because we're concerned about who's looking at us? What people might say if you get a little exuberant. I, I remember uh, my mom was a good Baptist, nothing bad about the Baptist, but uh, one time me and her was talking after I got saved, and she said, uh, we were just talking about church services, and she said, uh, do you do that? Do you do that running around the church? I said, well... I've been known to take a lap or two. <laughs> said, uh, do you do that dancing? I said, yeah, I done cut a few steps too. She said, uh, you do all that shouting? I said, yeah, I've done that too. She said, well, I don't believe we take all that. And I sat there and I looked at my mom and I said, you don't must, you, mom, you know, you don't know how I used to live. You don't know what was going on in my life. 
that makes me run and dance and shout. In fact, the problem is, now that I know better, I would say, Mom, you don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. You don't know what God has brought me out of, what he's done in my life, things that some things only he knows. And I'm ashamed that even he knows. But he's done some great things for me. So don't think about it don't cost, take all that. Because it may not take all that, but I sure do enjoy it. You know? So we're going to stand to our feet. We're going to bring our oil. And we're going to praise him because he's worthy to be praised. And we're going to pour our love on him. And don't worry about if you get loud. God ain't nervous. And he don't get scared. So loud noise don't scare him and loud noise don't make him nervous. You know, uh, sometimes we kind of act like... uh, as, as we always hear pastors say, you go to, I, I love sports, and we go to a football game, and uh, we loud. In fact, um, when my son played soccer, uh, the, the uh, referee told me if I didn't shut up, he was putting me off the field. Because <laughs> I had a lot to say to him. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, and Holly, Holly comes over, she calls me a dude sometimes, because I'm very much love sports. I mean, I watch everything, but golf and tennis, you know, that ain't sports. That's just whatever. <laughs> but I love sports, and I'm loud. So if I can get loud at a game, surely I can get loud for the Lord who has given everything for me. So we're going to listen to this song and just worship him. And if you're a person who doesn't get loud, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want you to think that you have to, because you don't. You know, flesh don't glory in, in, in the presence of the Lord. But if you are a person who gets loud, don't feel intimidated by the one who doesn't. So Henry, you want to play that song? It's a, it's a great song. 